Good morning. I know you're surprised to see me here. I'm a little surprised to be here, but that's okay. How many of you, be honest, because I'm going to raise my hand, have ever found any part of the Bible boring in your life? There's some boring stuff in there, in there. Well, today we're going to talk about God's Word and what it, the value that it, we get from it, and the joy and the wisdom and the peace and the strength and the commitment from God that we can get from this book right here. Years ago, I, um, I was doing my Bible time. I, I think I've done Bible time since my kids were tiny. And I was doing my obligatory Bible time, reading the Bible, and I felt like something was missing. I, I you know, you, you listen to Priscilla Shire, and she's so close to God. I feel like when she has her morning, her morning quiet time, she and Jesus are just having coffee. And I wanted that. I was reading my Bible, and I was praying, and then I was going about my day, and I just felt like something was missing. And so one morning when I was going through all that, I just, I prayed a simple sentence and said, please, God, help me find a way to delight in your word. Can I just tell you, friends, when you pray something like that, he blesses you 100-fold. And he put this passion, this fire in my heart for this book right here that probably drives some of you crazy because I love to talk about the Bible. I love all things Bible. And we're going to talk about some of that in as we go on this morning. But there is so much joy in this book that he gave us, this book that he is, this book that he breathed for us to be able to be closer to him, to have the confidence to take his story out to the world. It's a gift like no other. So if you will join me in Psalm 119. You know how many verses are in Psalm 119? A whole lot, like 170-something. Uh, we're not doing the whole thing. So you're, you're good. But... Psalm 119, uh, 97 through 104. How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments for you yourself. God, you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every false way. That's just one portion of Psalm 119. 
There are 22 of them, and I actually made a, somewhere, I made a list of how it's broken down. And I'm going to have those if anyone wants them afterwards. You can spend the next 22 days just breaking Psalm 119 down into those little passages like we just read and dig in and find your delight for God's word. Charles Spurgeon says, if we don't love the Bible, we certainly don't love the God who gave it to us. And I think that John 1 backs that up when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with him, and the Word was him. This is God. We hold God in our hands when we're reading the Bible, living, breathing words. To some of us, the Bible is a task. For many years, for me, it was a task that I put on my list, and I checked it off every morning. I did that for way too long. That didn't change my life. But when I asked God to help me delight in his word, oh my goodness, when I read his word now, I have so much joy. I find peace in his word. I find wisdom in his word. Anything that I need, it's in here. And he gives it to me because that's what he wants for us. Did you know the Bible is the best-selling book in history? Yeah. I saw a TikTok the other day. I love and hate TikTok. But I, I did see a TikTok the other day of a young woman, clearly not a Christian. And uh, she found, and there's a lot, I'm appalled by this, because it's a 1937 Bible at a thrift store. King James Version. And she was really excited that she found the real Bible. And she was gonna she was gonna do a whole bunch of TikToks showing how Christians are wrong and how we've changed the word to fit our social, uh, our social ideology, and that the Bible she had had the truth in it. And the only reason I saw this is because a young man that I follow, there's something you can do on TikTok. It's over my head how it works. I don't even know how to do it, but there's two, like he's watching her as she's doing her TikTok and then he talks. I don't know. But what I do know is when she was done talking, he then said, he reached out to her via TikTok and said, honey, it's all the same. You're going to find the same thing there that you find in today's Bible because the Bible doesn't change. And so he invited her to talk to him, and he would explain to her those, those words that she thought were in our new Bible that are not in the old Bible. And I just thought, wow. First of all, I wanted the 1936 Bible. <laughs> like, she has it, and I don't think she's going to use it right. So I'm a little annoyed by that. But hopefully, because she put it on TikTok, somebody will be able to reach out to her and show her the truth in all of its glory. But only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. I heard Natalie Grant on a podcast, gosh, it was in the middle of COVID, and she said, someone asked her what her favorite Old Testament book was. I think it was Annie Downs. And she said, I don't read the Old Testament. How do you not read the Old Testament? I really wanted to call her, but I didn't think she would take my call, and I really didn't think she'd take it for me to be argumentative. So, But 
She said, oh, I just want to be where the joy is. In the New Testament, that's where it is. Friends, if you think that's true, oh my goodness, you need to come to my house and sit down with me because I want to tell you differently. The Old Testament is so full of so much. And Jesus is there. He's in the Old Testament. He, it, it's not just the New Testament. The entire book of the Bible is about Jesus. And it's a redemption story that is our story. You know, we, me, when my kids were little, we did all of the, the Bible school stories together. You know, how the earth was made and Jacob and Abraham and Sarah has a baby and Noah and, and all the, the, the stories. And they feel like stories when you do it like that. But when you dig into God's word, when you dive into God's word and you are looking for things that you don't know what you could find, you start here and you go over here. And the next thing you know, you've learned all kinds of new stuff that you weren't even looking for. And sometimes you never get to what you're looking for, but you've learned so many other things. We meet Jesus in these stories. Did you all know that in your Bible, when you see the angel of the Lord and the L is capitalized, that's Jesus. So when I learned that, which was just a few years ago, um, and you look at Jacob, or Abraham, excuse me, taking Isaac to be sacrificed, and it seems so horrific, and how could you even ask that God, and why would he even do that? And the angel of the Lord that was there was Jesus. Jesus was with Abraham. There's a scarlet thread through the Bible of Jesus all through it. You cannot get away from him. And there is joy in finding that thread and just taking it throughout the whole Bible. You know he's in the Psalms, and you know the prophets have talked about him, but he's so many other places too. I have learned to love the Bible. When you read Psalm 119, and I do hope you'll take one of those sheets and you'll kind of go through just a little bit every day and just feel that the love that the psalmist has for the word have that kind of love for God's word. He gave it to me. I didn't get it on my own. He blessed me with that. And today, when I have my quiet time, it's like sitting down and having a cup of tea with Jesus, just like Priscilla Shire. We can do that too. It's all about knowing his word. The more we know, the more we understand, the more we're in his word, the closer we are to him, the better chance we have of hearing his voice, and the better we know his character. But also, the easier it is to go out into the world and do the work that he's given us. I've read through the Bible several times, and I'll be honest with you. I have yet, I am working on it now, but this is, I am in the middle of the first time of reading it and really reading it, because I'm not going to lie to you. There were a lot of names that I skipped 
in Numbers and Deuteronomy the first several times I read it because I didn't see the value of that. But today I'm studying Numbers um, as part of the First Five app. And it turns out, if you want to know, all those names mean something. They're all important. They're all valuable. And they take us somewhere else. So, but I, most of my adult life, all of my child life, and most of my adult life, I did not believe in hell. Because I'm Nita, and I cannot fathom a place, I, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around that. And when I was, I don't know, 21 or 22, in our local newspaper, I lived in Delaware County, in the Delaware Gazette, a rabbi wrote a piece about there isn't a hell, that really hell is what we live here, and then we all go to heaven. And I really liked that idea. So I clung to that for years. There really isn't a hell, because... I read it. He's a rabbi. He's way smarter than I am. And one day, I was not reading through the Bible, but I was reading a passage, and I believe it's in Luke. And I came across the passage about the men, the man who died and went to hell. And there's no question. There is a hell. And that God needed me to get to a point of spiritual maturity before my heart and my head could handle that information and know that that was real. And when I was there, he showed it to me. I really don't like it and try to figure out ways to get everyone into heaven, but that's not my call. So, um, But I read that and was just, my eyes were opened up and it's, it's like, oh, there is. And I had to change my whole mindset of thinking but I didn't get there until I was mature enough in my Christian faith to handle it. Because clearly before that, that was going to send me, that was a big enough thing in my head at that time to send me away from God. And he knew that. So rather than force it to me when I wasn't ready, he knew when I would be able to read that and say, oh, shoot, there is. And now I have to change the way I think. And now I have a more of an urgency to go out and say, you need to find Jesus, you need to find Jesus, you need to find Jesus, because there really is a hell. I learned that in the Bible when I was studying it. So I want to talk, I want to tell you about this journey that I've been on. Um, and when we were studying Hebrews here, and, and we're studying it, um, the Wednesday morning Bible study, which, selfless plug, anyone that wants to come to Bible study at my house, 7.30 on Wednesday mornings, we're still studying Hebrews. We've been studying it since Rob taught it because <laughs> we go on tangents. But anyway, um, we were studying, uh, Rob was studying this, and he said, who do you think wrote? Who do you think wrote uh, Hebrews? And there were different ideas. And I said, Priscilla, and he dismissed me. And I'm stubborn. <laughs> and uh, I've always thought Priscilla wrote it simply because there was no name on it, so it had to be a woman, right? Because why else wouldn't there be a name on it? But his dismissing Priscilla took me on a journey. I'm still on it. 
I still think she wrote it. I think so more than ever now because I've been studying it. Um, took me on this journey to learn more about Priscilla and to learn more about that time period. And here's the thing. If you don't believe that Priscilla wrote Hebrews, it's okay because none of us know. And I'm not going to be offended if you don't agree. But it took me on this journey and I am learning so much because I wanted to know, I wanted to be able to prove that Priscilla wrote the book of Hebrews and we're studying it. And Susan comes to our study and I work it in every week. <laughs> How it's Priscilla that wrote it. But I learned a lot, a lot that has nothing to do with who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I learned a lot about the culture. At that time, when Paul was walking the earth and all of his inner circle was with him, there were women there. Priscilla was just one of them, and there were many other women that were there, and they were treated just like anywhere else, anyone else. And there is a passage, and I didn't look it up, but um, there is a passage where Paul says, there's no difference in skin color, man or woman, Gentile or Jew, whatever it is, there's no difference. Paul said that, and that is the way they treated women at that time. And it wasn't until later that women started to not hold that kind of position in the church. And there's so much talk today about women in ministry and whether or not we should be up here or whether or not leaders in the church. And we pull passages that tell us yes or tell us no. This isn't even a passage as much as it just was. Anyone who wanted to teach about Jesus could teach about Jesus. Today, anyone who wants to teach about Jesus can do it. We should be doing it. So one of the things that I learned is perhaps I was right the first time, and the reason there is no name on Hebrews is because it was Priscilla. There's a man named Adolf Van Harken. In 1900, he wrote a paper about Priscilla as the author of Hebrews. Now, it's half in Greek, half in English, words from the 1900s. So that wasn't my favorite resource, but I did get some information from that. But when you're reading through, and there's a man named Michael something who um, wrote about him in a way that I understood better, and he's pulling from all these people. And so at least from 1900, there's been people that believe that she's, been the, that she's the author of Hebrews. And I have a whole lot of information and a whole lot that I could share, but there's just one, one piece that I thought I'd show you and some of the things that I learned from it. Um, one of the first things I did was, okay, if I believe that Priscilla wrote this book, I need to look at the book from the view of a woman and see, does, is there anything in it that would be more feminine as opposed to masculine? And I found things that I think might be. Um, Hebrews... 2, 17, and 18 shows us a compassion for Christ. Uh, Hebrews 4, 15, and let me 
let me go to that. And I can read these to you because really it doesn't help you if you don't know what they are, does it? Sorry, I, I, I'm not probably as <laughs> prepared as I should be. But um, so 2, 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he, he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for his sins of the people. For since he, for since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Just showing the compassion for Christ and what he did. And then Hebrews 4... 15, for we do not have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So the compassion that he has for us because of what he did for us. And then in Hebrews 5, 2, he's able to gently deal with those who are ignorant, gently deal with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he also was clothed with weakness. And finally, 8 and 9 in chapter 5, although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. These all show us the compassion of Christ. The first verse is the compassion for Christ, which could be from a feminine perspective. But when we go to 11, when we go to the hall of faith, there's a couple of things in there that I think are really, that really help us understand or see, see this maybe as more feminine. And that is um, in 1124, as she's talking about, or he, you know, talking about Moses, 23 and 24. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke, am I in 11? Sorry, I'm in 10. Or I'm in, yeah, here's 11. Uh, by faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. The son of Pharaoh's daughter. That feels like something maybe a woman might think, right? And then go, you can go on to look at Rahab, and um, she, he, this person talks of Sarah, too, and also talks about Melchizedek as being an orphan. To me, those could all be things from a mom, from, and, and Priscilla was a mom. And I don't tell you those things necessarily to change your mind, although if you want to think about it now, not a bad thing. But I tell you those things because this is just a small part of what I've learned about Priscilla, about Paul, about what's in the Bible, digging deep and looking for things we don't typically look for, asking a question, and then diving in to find the answer. And so I have learned, I've learned that there's a book called Judith. It's not in our Bible, but it is in the Catholic Bible. And there are people that quote from that to prove that Priscilla was a 
or that Hebrews was written by Priscilla. Now, Judith is not canonized, so it's not God's word, but neither is Lisa Tierkurs, and I read that, and I enjoy that, and so I've read a little bit of Judith, because I didn't even know it was a thing, and it's very similar to Esther in the story and what's going on. It's the same time as Esther, and it's a woman that's um, helping in exile, so I learned that. I learned some archaeological facts that that um, support some things and just learning where Priscilla was buried and that people look for these things and find them and, and that Pope, I think you say Pius, it's P-I-U-S, the third, um, had given a, a plaque to Priscilla's family, and Priscilla's name was on it. So clearly she was important in that time. And so when you dig in, there's a world of information that helps us understand God better and grows us closer to him in the things that we do. So I encourage you, if you're curious about who wrote Hebrews, there's lots of ways to look into it. There's people that you... I've gone down the Priscilla Trail. If, you, if you're Barnabas, if you're in, you know, Team Barnabas, there's a trail for that too, and Apollos. Luke, um, Clement, I don't think it's Clement, and I don't think it's Paul. I just feel confident that's not true. But the other ones, you know, are, are all very, it's all very interesting to read about it. And so if you start, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, ask a question. What's something that's bothered you about the Bible? What's something that you've always wondered about? Ask that question and start diving in. For, for me to do this, I, the way that I do my, my Bible study is I usually look at three different versions and write things out and take notes and do cross-references and all the things. Highlights. Oh, I have highlighters. I have to show you my... Uh, this is my... <laughs> I like color. And this is, these are my, this is my Bible stuff. So I've got all the pens and all the highlighters and everything has a meaning. Now in my world, it may have a meaning in one project and a different meaning in another. And so I think I need to work on that. But um, it's always very colorful. And just ask that question. Read about it in two or three versions. And see what you're seeing and highlight things that look the same. If it's being said over and over in Psalm 119, you know, the, the verbiage that they use, there's so much that they use over and over and over. They love, the person that wrote Psalm 119, they love the word. It's a part of their heart. They delight in the word. They trust the word. These words are said over and over and over it kind of reminds me of the Bible. 119 is like a little Bible inside the Bible because it's important and it's all about God's word. And it reminds you of the same things over and over and over again. And the Bible has the same ideology all through it. It's saying the same thing over and over. It's all about Jesus. He's there. So ask your question Dive in. Use a commentary. Call me. I will have coffee with you. I would love to dive into something with you. <laughs> and uh, I just, I want all of you to find so much joy and delight in the Bible that you are bubbling over. And when you're out in the world, people see that in you. And they ask you the questions. And then you have the joy of saying, oh, let's dive in together and grab all your colored pens and all your colored highlighters and do what you do. 
because it is worthy of that kind of joy and delight and love and commitment. I will tell you many, many days in my life, and and still occasionally now, I mean, to be fair, my Bible time would can be pushed aside, but the days that I start in the Bible are always good days. It changes everything. Unfortunately, when I really dive into the Bible, I can be there like two hours in the morning, and that can really mess up your timing for everything else, but I don't think there's anything more important for us to do in our day. I want to close with um, some words from Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. I just love him. Um, He is such a, he understands the Bible and he loves the Bible. And he wrote this. We do not love the Bible. If we do not love the Bible, we certainly don't love the God who gave it to us. But if we do love God, then there is no other book in the entire world that will be comparable in our minds. When God speaks, it is the delight of our ears to hear what he says. And when you are in the Bible, you will hear what he says to you. In other books, there is some truth and some error. Apart from the Bible, the best book ever written has mistakes in it. It is not possible for fallible men to write infallible books. Somehow or the other, we either say more than is true or less than is true. The most skillful writer doesn't always keep along the hairline of truth that is more difficult to tread than a razor's edge. But scripture never errs. Here's the gold bullion without a single particle of ally. Here is the living water leaping from the rock, and there is no defilement in that. Thank you.